beautiful. Uh, another opportunity here in order to do that as well for the things of the church. And so if you do that online, amazing. You can text to give, or well, you can drop something into the plate. So let me give, let me give thanks. So Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you extend to us things of life. How would you uh, loosen our grip to those things that we can continue to give as you tell us better to give the receive and we have to continue to press that into our minds and bodies all the time to believe it. How so, Father, would you receive, would, would be able to give to those and, and to the needs here. For those in need who are sitting even among us, oh God, come to their aid. You're a great provider. And so, Lord, would you whisper your care, that you see your presence, your power to those immediate needs, and we ask for your provision, Lord. And if those needs are outside of this community, Lord, we pray they be met in our neighbors, in our community, in this city, outside of the state, in other countries. God, have mercy and meet them. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the ushers are going to come, and we're going to sing the doxology. So would you sing with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Um, a couple of things. Uh, it seems like we've been in this season, and we're even in a series, Soul Therapy, where it's, it's talking about things of life and uh, the good and the bad parts of life and longing to be healthy people, right? Longing to be whole people and longing to be people who experience the full realm of emotions, who acknowledge hard things and good things, right? And, and it's, uh, it's amazing about how long it takes us to be those kinds of people. Uh, one of the things is, uh, I've started being like whole, is that you, you celebrate beginnings, kind of easy, and you celebrate endings, or not celebrate, maybe you mark them, right? You acknowledge endings. You give them space. You give them time. You give them a chance to mourn, right? And so uh, I know so many of us might have a tendency to not be super strong in one of those, and for me it's the endings, right? When things end, not knowing how to mark it. I mean, death is one of those things, right? That's why we have funerals. That's why it's so important to have funerals, to have the chance to mark an ending and to mourn with people. So, uh, so you may have some things, but one of those things that is an ending is when, when people move, and when they move really far, right? And so there's a proximity in relationships. And so we, we want to mark uh, an, ending. So an ending today. And so Jay and Svetsi Stallman, they are moving to Denver, Colorado. And guys, if you would, you would come forward, right? They're, they're moving to Denver. I think G, this is Jay's last Sunday, this Sunday, as far as before he goes to Denver. As he, do you guys know Jay? They're part of this community, Aunt Svetsi and their, and their boys, right? And his, when his parents come in, his parents live in Denver, and um, they're making that move and that transition there. One of the beautiful things about this family, and this is the whole cool part about God when he talks about a church being... Um, it's the members, right? It's, it's not this building. It's not the programs. It's, it's the people and every person having its part. 
And and this couple has played a part, and their absence will be felt because you brought really unique gifts. And you guys are both really quiet about them, right? You're not flashy about them. But your story, right, your story molded you in order to fulfill really unique things. And and those, those gaps will be felt and experienced and mourned. And God may provide people who fit those in, in the ways that you guys, he, he may not, right? There may not be people to fit those, and other people will step up with their gifts and, and find places. So they, they have done that, right? Jay, um, you guys, if you've heard his story, you heard him speak about his brothers and the way he cared for people. He was a special buddy to Elijah, right? Elijah Scobie, and, and a really good one and a unique one who knew how to play um, with Elijah, who knew how to love him, he knew how to, right, who wasn't intimidated, right, who jumped in, and that gap will be felt, and that was from your story, right, like, God handpicked you and put you here, and you stepped in in order to love him, right, and so Betsy's been helping out with the meals team, and stepping in with their gifts, and, and every Sunday, you come forward, and you light a candle, and you pray, right, and so in your guys's, um, the holes, where you guys will be, um, we felt, um, and I'm speaking as a pastor for what, for what you do, but the, the real bigger hole is the relationships, right? The people you forged community with. And we know that you're feeling those endings and the people who love you are feeling those endings um, here with your proximity changing. And so we want to affirm them, we want to bless them, and we want to send them. We know this is a family that's going to Denver, and they don't sit back, right? They step in. They engage in community. They love. They give of themselves. And so we commend them, and we recognize them. And so I don't know if we're cruel or wise, but I want to invite the the backing family, Daniel and Bonnie. And the cruelty is that these are are best friends, right? This is community. And, And these are people who feel this deeply, right? But we've invited them to pray, Um, and so this is a part of endings, right? This is, this is a part of recognizing that. And so she's going to be here for another month, getting the house ready, right, and selling it. And we need to be praying for them for that. And they're probably going to need help in order with that transition. So um, you might see stuff on Facebook or if you know them to step in and, and to do so. So we want to recognize you guys and say, we honor you. But we want to pray and send you um, and recognize you. you. Do you guys want to say something? I know you guys are, you want to, Awesome. Well, I, I do have to say, you guys have been great in our community here for the last, what, six years? I'm terrible with memories, so, but, you know, I mean, you will be missed. But the one thing that I really do have, find great joy in is that God has really worked this out for you. You know, it's one of the things, like, for a lot of family reasons, you want to be out in Denver, and he made it happen. He made you get the job, and apparently now you just got an offer today on your house. So, you know, he's really, he's worked it all out, you know, so... I find great joy in the fact that when God wants to have something done, he makes it happen. He makes it easy many times. And you really have been a witness to that. So, I get to pray. <clears throat> Should we? Did yeah, you? yeah, would you like, yeah. You want to step sure. here in the middle? Yeah. Okay. So, if you know the Stallmans, or if you don't, and you just need to like them, and, and you want to be part of this, I want to want you to come near. If you've been connected to this family in some way, come near. But the rest, I want you to stand up, and we'll kind of move in. We're going we're gonna to lay hands upon them and, and pray for them, and Bonnie's going and gonna, to and gonna pray.
Dear God, we thank you for this family. We thank you for Jay, and we thank you for Tsveti, and we thank you for Theo and Max. And we thank you for the way that you put them here in our community and used them to bless a lot of people. And we thank you for the testimony of your goodness that you've given through their service and also the testimony of your goodness uh, through your care for them and your provision for this, um, for them to be near Jay's family. And we really just lift them up and pray that you will go strongly before them and uh, prepare a wonderful house and prepare a wonderful community uh, for them in Denver, and you will continue to shine your light through them. We just praise you and thank you. In your name I pray, amen. I want to invite uh, Ben Regal to come up. Ben's going to be teaching this morning. Uh, we're wrapping up our series called Soul Therapy. And we've gone uh, through addiction and insecurity and what? Depression. What else is in there? Anger. That's right. Um, which brings us to today where um, Ben's going to share a part of his story which um, connects with me on a couple of different levels, and so I wanted to intro him. Um, at one point, um, I lost a job, and we had um, two kids, and we were pregnant with our third, and I was fired. And um, I remember getting a phone call about a job option in Minnesota, and it would mean that Tina and I would have to leave um, from Royal Oak, or we lived in Ferndale. And I remember feeling so um, trapped by the fact that I didn't have health insurance for the kids. And I remember uh, accepting the job knowing I did not want to live in Minnesota. And we went through all the motions. We sold the house, and it was super easy because it was in Ferndale. And we packed a Penske, and we went to Minnesota. And everybody was excited that we were going to be there. My mom had made Sloppy Joes. Anyone remember Sloppy Joes? That's a meme now. Um, and so we had Sloppy Joes. Tina and I put the kids to bed. And within minutes, we were laying on the floor of the kitchen, weeping. And I remember us just laying there crying and saying, what have we done? Like, we hadn't even been there 18 hours. And the next morning, I was to go in and talk to my new boss. And one of the first conversations I had with him was, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. <laughs> That's a great intro, right? All that to say, Minnesota means something. And so when, when Tina and I reference Minnesota, we know exactly what we're talking about. I've had the joy of walking with Ben for a number of years, and along Ben's journey, Cleveland has grown to mean something. And so this morning, you get the opportunity to learn about Cleveland and why it holds so much weight in our relationships. Ben and I are a part of a men's council together. 
and all somebody has to say in that council is Cleveland, and everybody knows exactly what we're talking about. And so this morning is really is a gift um, for me, for us to be able to sit and to listen to the learnings um, from Ben on this journey of following Jesus and making really bad decisions. Yeah? So I know what that feels like. Hopefully you know what that feels like. You'll be able to extend, Ben, a lot of grace, but also you'll be able to hear um, whispers from God this morning for you. So let me pray for Ben, and then we'll jump into the teaching. So Father, I pray that you would um, free Ben's mind from any anxious thoughts or any um, temptation to um, speed through or push anything. Lord, I pray that he would be able to speak freely, that his tongue would be used by you, uh, that you would glorify your son and um, the name of Jesus through him. And I pray that we would have ears to hear, hearts to receive, and that Ben would receive um, energy and refreshing um, and redemption as he shares with us. So so may that be present in this moment um, together. And I just pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance to the Stallmans. Uh, didn't mean to. It's, it's fitting there's ascending today, I guess, is probably the, the right thing. So hopefully this doesn't apply to you at all, um, because that would be unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> yes. I actually made Nate move it to, the, to before the talk, just in case. Uh, so, I want to, um, I have, if you could put the first, first slide up, I, three things we're going to talk about today. There's eight words, a closet, and loathing. Uh, do I have your attention yet? Is that intriguing? Is that, okay. I'm going to tell you a little story, um, a couple stories about kind of my, uh, couple, my life and what's happened. Um, I, I grew up as a PK. How many PKs do we have in the room? We've got a few. All right. And, and who doesn't know what that is? <laughs> That's a preacher's kid. So back in the day, if your dad was a pastor, right, you'd be like, oh, you're a PK. So when I meet people today, uh, I often almost immediately have a bond with someone and be like, oh, you, oh, you were a PK. In fact, who did I, uh, yes, we met a while ago, and it was like PK, yep, and we knew exactly what that meant, <laughs> right? Um, my, but that was early on. My parents got divorced when I was eight, <clears throat> and I remember, the, I remember the exact moment. Did anyone grow up in like a tri-level house? You know, did anyone know what those were? It was, like, it was like the 70s, classic, right? You walk in, and there's like a level this way and a level up. and a le- I mean, it was like the craziest house. But we were sitting in the living room, my family, uh, my older brother and older sister, I was the youngest, and my sister's on the couch with my mom crying, and my dad's over here, like in a chair, and they tell us they're getting divorced, and I was like, okay, you know, like, all right. Um, and that night, there was this kind of, uh, I had a bedroom, like, up this, you know, up the stairs, and I was the first bedroom on the right, and the door was open, and I was laying in bed. I could hear my parents talking, and I could hear my dad say these eight words, and these eight words were, I bet he doesn't understand what's going on, and he was talking about me. 
And I remember being in my bed as an eight-year-old being just angry at my father. Like, I know exactly what's going on. Little did I know I did not know what was going on. Um, it turns out that my dad was gay, and at that time in the church, in you know, a Methodist church, so they kicked him out, and, um, but they didn't tell anybody. And so my family was kind of shunned for uh, several months by the whole entire community, which is crazy if you think about it, um, because they didn't understand why, you know, my dad, who was beloved, would leave, and they get divorced and get kicked out of the church and all that. So that all happens. Um, but one of the things that happened as a part of that is the trajectory for my life, if I think back from that moment in time, I spent pretty much my entire life proving to everyone that I understood what was going on. And that significance and that the knowledge and understanding was the most important thing. And so when I would go into situations, I would immediately feel myself wanting to prove to you that I was important and that I knew what was going on. I still do it today. I still have to stop myself <laughs> from doing that in almost every situation. Um, um, and, and I put that on mine. But the other thing that happened is my mom, who, had, who did not have an education, was the classic pastor's wife, right? Um, that's the only world she knew, was totally shattered. And she did an amazing job, ended up getting her master's and PhD and we were poor, man. We didn't have anything. Like, we were on, I remember getting the blocks of cheese from the government. Did anyone get that? <laughs> like, I remember that. I remember, like, a family coming over from church and bringing us, like, real cereal and being like, what is this? This is amazing, <laughs> right? And, but one of the things that happened um, because of that is, um, I don't know, who attended the Enneagram workshop? Just a few. So one of the things that I thought was just, gray out of that was, if you could put the next slide up, there was these kind of what's, what's the lost childhood message that was given to you? And I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram 7 wing 8, it may mean nothing to you, but if, it's, if you're in the Enneagram, it may mean something. Um, but the lost childhood message of a 7 was, you will be taken care of, meaning I didn't have that, right? Like my mom did, but the one thing that she really taught us was the next thing was, the learned childhood message I got was, it's not okay to depend on anyone for anything. That's the message that I was like, she bore into me. <laughs> Probably inadvertently, right? Like, just because of what had happened to her, it was like, you have to do it on your own. So I was very mature as a young child, uh, but it, I also lost a bunch of that in all of that, right? And it, it's fun. <laughs> It's funny, grief is a thing, right? I was just standing back there. Um, I lost my mom two and a half years ago, and I, and I don't get a lot of grief from it anymore, like, but I just, it hit me. Like, my mom has had such an impact on my life, um, and she can't hear this or share this. Um, anyways, I just thought this was interesting, came up. So, fast forward, um, I'm married to an amazing woman, Jenny. If you do not know her, she's like the nicest person you know. Uh, many of you shake your heads. She's much nicer than I am. Uh, and we have two adopted kids, and you know we're, we um, we we were living we're living a pretty good life. I had a job I did not like, 
I had a job that I really just kind of did, didn't enjoy at all. And um, I specifically had a boss CEO who I really, want, I, I really wanted to like, when I, whenever I left, I was wanting to like, I'm going to show her. I had that feeling, like I'm going to show her. And I got this, I got this like, I got recruited for this dream job. I even read, I read the job description and I was like, this is exactly me. This is exactly my strengths. I have these experiences. And it happens to be at the most reputable place in my industry um, possible. So everything about this is like amazing. In fact, during that year, uh, the top MBA schools, the destination, number one destination they wanted to go to was this company. Below it was Google, below that was Apple. To give you some idea of like, in my industry, this is like the thing, the place, right? And I had verbally accepted the job. It was a huge pay raise, but it was moving to Cleveland, right? But we can do this, right? So the weekend before I'm gonna tell my job, tell my current job, and I'm, you know, I've told people verbally, I, uh, but I haven't told my job yet. And I'm in the closet. Uh, how many of you have been in a bungalow? You ever, who owns a bungalow? Do you ever know what that means, like the house? So the bungalow on the top, <laughs> Andy knows what I'm talking about because he just redid it. We had, like, we had our master bedroom up there and we had a closet. Anyone have a closet up in a bungalow? What's the one thing about a closet in a bungalow is that if you open the door, it's like, you know, like half the closet is like this, right? So, <laughs> so I've got my clothes on one side because Jenny took the whole other side, you know? And, and I'm like bent over and I, and I hear this voice. Probably the most audible voice you could, you could imagine. And it said, don't take the job. And I'm a prophetic person, so prophetic is my gift, right? So I, I, I can sense the prophecy like often. And I was like, that can't be right. Right? That can't be right. Everyone in their right mind would tell you that this is the job to take. No one is going to give me counsel that's not. And so I'm having this like mini argument in the multiseconds that are happening from this, right? And I'm also saying to my saying also, I can't tell, I've already told people. I've already accepted the job. I can't go through the shame of like, not doing that, right? And I also, if you remember, what was my message? I have to take care of my family. I have to do everything. I need significance, right? This is going to add significance to me. And so I just brush it down, right? Okay, God, that's great, but because it's clearly not my words, <laughs> right? That I put that away. I haven't left the closet. It happens again. Don't take the job. And I'm like, well, this isn't, I, then, now I'm just defiant. I'm like, I, that can't be right. And I, and I don't know what happens with you if you've ever, ever heard anything, but when I hear a message from God, I always feel it in my stomach. I always feel like this overwhelming, like, I got to get this out. And it was like magnified by 10. And I just was like, nope, not listening to that. 
And I walk down the stairs, and I still have the feeling, but then I'm like, I'm just going to ignore it. And guess what? I totally forgot it. And we proceed to move to Cleveland, <laughs> and I would say against the wind, right? If you think about God as kind of giving wind often, it's like this was against the wind. And we sold our house begrudgingly. We bought our house in foreclosure in 2008 or 2006. It was in foreclosure, mind you. I had to come to the table with a $22,000 check to sell our house, right? Like this, none of it made any sense. And then we moved and we couldn't make friends and we couldn't find a church. Uh, we couldn't, like Jenny, I mean, again, you don't know her. If you don't know her, she just makes friends. She's like the extrovert, right? I'm the introvert, she's the extrovert and she just makes friends. She couldn't make any friends. Every time she'd go into something, we had two young kids. We had a one and a half year old and a two and a half year old. We didn't know anyone in Cleveland, mind you, <laughs> nobody. Um, and I was only supposed to be traveling like 40% of the time, but it was really probably like 75%. And if I was totally honest with you, I actually probably liked it because I got out of the one and a half year old, two and a half year old, and I didn't have to be home, right? Like, so it was a bad situation. But I didn't realize, the other thing I didn't mention was that work wasn't going that well. I'd always been really good at what I'd done. I got to this job, I, I was struggling. Like, I was struggling. It was like, what is going on? This has never happened to me before, right? So I come home from a work trip. This is probably, uh, Jenny corrected me last night. I thought it was December, it's November. This could have been multiple conversations where we're gonna just pretend it's one conversation because <laughs> we couldn't remember. I get home, and clearly she is not happy with me. And we don't argue. So just to give you some sense of what this is like, we don't argue, we don't yell at each other, we just give cold shoulders. And so, <laughs> you know, this is one of those. But I could tell something was wrong, and kids were in bed, and she says to me these words, when you're gone, I loathe you. It's not super fun for your spouse to say <laughs> the words, I loathe you, because I don't think I've ever heard them before, for one. And two, it was like, coming from her, that was a lot. And I was like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and she was basically like, I'm here with these kids, and you're away, you know, doing work trips and going out to dinner and being in Boston and DC and you know all these fancy places and and it's not all a dream but uh, you know you, you get what i'm saying and we had started to have this conversation and it it came up at some point and i just said yeah i'm i'm really unhappy and i said the funny thing is um, we're in this house and it doesn't feel like our house it feels like we're taking care of it for someone else and she's like oh that's exactly how I feel. And we had done this, like, I mean, just stupid stuff, right? Like, we went from this 950-square-foot bungalow, and we bought, like, a 4,500-square-foot house. 
we couldn't even find our children at some points. Like, we're like, where's the girls? You know, like, it was just the dumbest, like, a half an acre, which I didn't even, I was never even home. I had to hire my neighbor kid to mow our lawn after I bought a lawnmower, you know? It was just like the dumbest thing. So she's, she says, and then she goes, I keep, I, I, I feel like I keep hearing I'm not supposed to be here. Every time I get, move into something, this is what Jenny says to me. I'm not supposed to be here. And so then it starts to become a conversational, like, well, what did you hear from God when we were, we were supposed to come here? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, of course, I heard you. I heard the call, right? And she's like, what did you hear? And she goes, I thought you heard. And it was like everyone, it dawned on all of both of us that it was like, okay, so you didn't hear anything. And then it came to me, which I had totally forgotten, the closet. And I just, I broke down. I, 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 I kind of lost it. And I said, well, there was this one thing. There was this one thing. And so I told her the story of the closet and kind of just hearing the God saying, don't go, and I, my own ego and my own thing saying, that can't be right. And for the first time, probably as a couple in that six-month time period, we actually just were able to be honest with each other about what was happening and to know that we had stepped completely away from the wind that God had been giving. That I had created this. How many of you have had those situations? Or how many are having one right now where the, do the door has been opened? See, the door was open. So then you just assume, like, I'm going to jump right into it. I had a door that opened. The dream job, right? I stepped into that door, and when I stepped into it, God was like, you have to trust me. And I didn't do it. I didn't trust him. I find it interesting, this kind of idea of redemption. I've told, I've told a lot of you at different times that God is in the business of redemption. And if I, if I have time now, it's been seven years since we uh, moved back to Detroit. We ended up moving back, um, not right away. Like, things drastically improved after that. It's almost like you could put a mark on the sand. That moment in time in which we came to the conclusion, we found a church almost immediately after. We found a group of people that came around us almost immediately after, which is just crazy to think about, uh, that lived near us. Like, all this stuff were just like we... Like, my job turned around, and, you know, that ended up being great. And um, about a, not a year later, uh, yeah, almost a year later, we got this offer to kind of come back and start a company and, and back to Detroit, and we moved back to Detroit, and just, just right over there, actually. And I'm not kidding you, the first day we were, night we were in our house, it was like, oh, this is home. I mean, it was like a physical reaction of, like, yeah, this... This, we'd never been in this house. It was as if we'd been here for years. And the crazy thing is, is that house 
that we've been in for seven years is the longest I've ever lived in any one place in my whole life. I moved 27 times up until the time I was 25. So it's really just interesting, this business of redemption, right? And then, so God brought us back. We did this company, and it's still going. Um, and then I left, and I'm on my own and doing these things. And I think back, like, what would have happened? Would I still be here doing what I'm doing now? Or is it just the really painful part to, like, get to where I'm at now? I don't know. I don't know the answer. About four or five years ago, when I, right before I was turning 39, <laughs> I don't know what the magic number is, but I went through kind of, I'm not, I don't know, midlife crisis. I went through one of those things where I was just questioning everything about my faith. Um, some, some might call it a deconstruction. And um, out of that process, and I, uh, many of you helped with that, but out of that process, I came to this this truth that I, I just came to this truth about embracing the mystery of God. That, that we try to have this paint, this like, tell me the right, wrong, the, this almost binary, um, what, you know, what, tell me exactly what to believe. And there's just so much mystery in all of it. I can't tell you what would have happened had I got out of that closet and turned down the job. I can't tell you if there was something better. I can't tell you if I'd be here today. I, I, don't, I don't know any of that stuff. I really don't. I don't know what would happen. And I also think that redemption doesn't look like... Um, it doesn't look exactly like we think it's going to look like. I don't know... My friend Mark, I've asked, I asked him if it's okay, I could share this. My friend Mark was um, going through a divorce. This is a couple of years, several years ago, and him and I met for, you know, a drink or something, and I kept, I kept hearing the word redemption from God. It's like, God's in the business of redemption. And he just, he, you know, he's like, that's just something about that. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, they're going to stay married and get redeemed, and there's going to be this whole redemption but that's not what happened. Several years later, they, after the divorce, a couple years later, Mark comes to me and he goes, you know what's really fascinating? I think about that, about that word, about that time we had, that redemption. He goes, it absolutely happened, but not in ab any of the way that I would have imagined. That we, that I, the redemptive part was we, my wife, my ex-wife and I still have a relationship in this different way. And there was this whole other thing, right? And it just it was very interesting to kind, of, to kind of think about, like, we have this idea of, like, God's going to redeem, and this is what it's going to look like. But the reality is, like, who knows what it'll look like? But I 100% now understand that there is a redemption in some form or fashion, even when we make terrible mistakes. Um, I didn't... I think I don't think I stole from someone. I actually do think I said this, <laughs> so I put it up there. But um, I have this thing around just, you can't control the wind. You cannot. God is going to move in a direction that is its own. But you can control how you position yourself with it and how, if you follow it or not. You can control that. 
the speed of it, the velocity of it, how quickly it moves, when a door opens and doesn't open and close. You can control how you position yourself to it. And so I'm, I, I think, of if anything, out of all of that, it's not that I'm going to make a mistake again. I'm definitely going to make a mistake. I, I think out of all of that, if I can be listening for those times and always listening to the, is there wind behind it? Is there something, is it easy to open? Is a door, is a door that opens still easy? Right? Because they they might, it might not be after a while. I also think there's a lot of learning and failure. <laughs> so I learned a lot, right? Um, and if you go into scripture, I didn't use a lot today because I felt like there's so many examples. <laughs> Jonah, Abraham, Moses, David, you, I mean, you name it, people made mistakes. Jonah actually, when God told him to go do something, go basically go to his enemies and tell them, like, tell them the good news. <laughs> Jonah fled. He ran in the other, got on a boat and fled. He didn't just like, oh, I'm not going to do that. He went in the opposite direction. He was supposed to be, you know, so it's just, I think it's just fascinating. There's just so much uh, truth in all of it. And so what I want to leave you with is uh, a quote from Richard Rohr, if we can put that up real quick. I love this on so many, so many levels, but every time God forgives us, God is saying that God's own rules do not matter as much as the relationship that God wants to create with us. And this is why I say embrace the mystery. And maybe um, I've gotten this, I got the sense before this that for a lot of you this will just be nice and remind, you know, remembering. For some of you this will actually just be really, really challenging. And may in fact kind of be like a punch in the gut. And so I want to just acknowledge the fact that it's okay to have that. And um, even if you are in the midst of a poor decision, that it's okay. I can honestly tell you the six months after we moved to Cleveland was probably one of the worst times in my life. And I had more money, more prestige than I ever more things than I ever had in my whole life. Those, those didn't give, you know, like those don't equal. I can be, stand here and I know you've heard that. I know you probably experienced that. That is absolutely truth. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite the worship team up. I don't know how long I went. Oh, I, oh decent. Okay, all right. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I, I want to...